0: Our scripture today is coming from uh, two places, uh, the very beginning and and, uh, and then from the New Testament as well. Join me, would you? I was smiling as I was making the bulletin because um, it's on page one. It's on page one of the Bible, our Old Testament lesson from Genesis chapter one. I'm going to actually read um, verse one and then um, and then we're going to jump over to a verse that many of you guys have memorized um, verses 21 to 26. By the way, I'm grateful. So many of you are coming up to me um, before the service and and talking about your experience. Some of you fasted just for a meal. Some of you did variations of media fasts and different things. But you, those of you who were with us last week remind, uh, remember that we invited you to to fast and pray on behalf of our country. And and we are still there, are we not? We are. Um, we, we don't pretend to tell God, uh, what, uh, He should do in, in these critical days, but, but we do seek His face and we do invite Him to glorify Himself through that. And so I just encourage you, what a, what a, what a better way on election day to to spend the day then to seeking God's face, to fasting and prayer in behalf of our nation. But I'm so grateful for those of you who at some level entered into that. And I would love to have more conversations with you about that dynamic, because it is a surprising dynamic when you stop doing something so that you can begin doing something else. And God often moves powerfully in those times. But hear the word of God, would you, from Genesis 1-1, and then we're going to jump over to... Uh, Genesis 126, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then over in verse 26. And then God said, let us make man or mankind, humankind in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps along the ground. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens. And every living thing that moves on the earth. The very word of God. Mm, amen. Amen. And then if you'll join me in our New Testament passage comes from a very familiar book, Romans eight and one of the most awesome chapters in the entire book, if not the New Testament uh, in Romans chapter eight, we're going to touch one of the uh, familiar places but then we're going to call you to uh, one of the less familiar places to see how they're related. Romans 8 if you don't have a Bible with you or a phone with you with the Bible app on it um, is you might find it on page 944 of the maroon Pew Bible which um, which may be nearby. Romans chapter 8 we're going to pick it up at verse 18 and then take it to verse 28. Let me just start for a second glance over for a second because I want you to see where we're going. Romans 8:28 is that amazing passage. Where Paul says, "We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose." Would you read that verse with me? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That's where we're going in this passage of Paul. We're going to start back about 10 verses and and pick up the storyline coming into it. Paul says this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons or children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Isn't that interesting? The creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You see the intimate role that children of God have in all of creation. For we know, he continues, that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, We are saved. Now, hope that is seen, Paul says, is not hope at all, right? For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, he says, we wait for it with patience. So likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray or as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the what is the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And here's our verse again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together, even elections, God, even family brokenness, even my employment situation. Yes, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. The word of God. Mm, Thank you. Thank you, God, for your word. Wow, right in in the middle of that is just some amazing stuff. We're groaning. And you might have experienced that. It's interesting, isn't it? Paul says... we're we're part of God's creation. Creation is subject to suffering, to pain, to groaning, but not randomly, not because something's out of control, but because, in fact, God is moving. God is is, uh, preparing the creation for redemption. Creation for redemption. I mean, that's totally cool. Creation for redemption. Did you see whereby that creation comes? Children of God. The children of God, we are a part of this amazing transformation of creation. So wherever you are this morning, if you are finding yourself struggling uh, because, uh, because of uh, physical, emotional or spiritual suffering, you're feeling the weight of the subjection of creation. To the world, if you're struggling um, in despair, looking at, at the coming couple of days and just wondering what will the future be like, God speaks into that, and God says to us, "I got this. I got this." In fact, I'm the one who's subjecting this creation. I'm the one who's subjecting this world as we know it. I'm the one who might be subjecting you to the suffering that you're experiencing so that you can experience the joy on the other side. That psalm is coming to my mind. Um, Those who sow in tears, right, will reap with, help me, joy, right? we reap with joy. So, so what do we, how do we live in the midst of such tumultuous times when the cultures are in conflict as we've seen over the last few weeks that, that everyone's at enmity with somebody else and, and everything is combative. I, I um, made such a fool out of myself the other night. I was at one of those things that we talked about at the town meeting and, and, uh, I saw a friend of mine and, um, and a great big guy, I was sitting behind him the whole time. I shouldn't have an excuse. I was sitting behind him the whole time. And afterwards, I went up to him. And I gave him a great big hug from behind. Not a wise thing to do to a man, starting, especially as you'll see in the story. And, 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 and said, how's your recovery going? And he turned to me, the psychologist goes, goes, ah, not a good thing to say. Um, thinking that he was my friend who had had a stroke and and is and is recovering right and he turned around at me and and he looked at me and goes recovery and i'm going ah you're not who i thought you were excuse me excuse me um wow wow uh, we are in this the situation where where um everything is uncertain we're experiencing all kinds of suffering we're wondering what what good thing can we bring into a world like this i did by the way have to tell myself don't stop loving people just because you screwed up once, right? Um, just don't hug them from behind when you can't see their face, right? Um, well, there's, there's an amazing thing that we can bring into this world. That's the focus of our time today. Uh, and, and, and it is literally the gospel. It is literally the gospel. And you know what that word means, right? The, the Greek word meant good message or good news. The gospel and politics... Uh, um, the gospel ministers in the political situation that we find ourselves. So if we're going to we're going to be lights in in a dark world, if we're going to be hope in, in a world that's despairing, if we're going to bring life to to a world that's that's dying, then we've got to recognize the tool by which God uh, does that. It's the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is this gospel? I am so sorry. I, I did not get my uh, slides down to our team this morning. And, and I, I just we had a lot of things going on. I did not get them down there. I'm going to be dumping a lot of information. Trust the Holy Spirit to uh, to remind you what he wants you to write down here. Well, literally, the gospel is good news. It's good news. It's, it's not just uh, about what will happen. Right. It's about what has already happened. Right. I mean, uh, uh, in Jesus' day, a person might travel many miles to bring news. And when you saw them coming, you knew they weren't running like that because they didn't know what was going on. They were running because they had something to say. And, and the gospel is, is that kind of thing. It's good news about what has already happened. Now, now, if you're taking notes, just think for a second. What is our traditional understanding of the gospel? Most of us, if you would ask us that, we would we would probably... Go to a passage like 1 Corinthians 15. We would say the gospel is this, that Christ has died for our sins. Amen? That Christ was raised from the dead to break the power of sin and disease and death over us. Right? That's a critical part of the gospel. We would say probably that third element that Christ not only was raised from the dead, but he's coming back again. He's coming back again. But I want to suggest to you that that that's not the whole story. It's a critical part of it. But I want you to see a larger picture of the gospel. and You can see as we designed the worship service today, we wanted you to see this larger picture of the gospel. But the whole Bible gospel includes four critical elements. Uh, the first of which is creation, creation itself. How did how did the psalmist put it in 19? The heavens are declaring the glory of God. Right. So creation is a part of the testimony of who God is. And and I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying this this time. I don't usually enjoy fall for two reasons, leaves and winter. Um, but but um, but it's just so beautiful as I was driving uh, uh, toward McCutcheonville um, yesterday, just w- driving down Browning Road and seeing the leaves changing. It's just gorgeous. The Bible says that that's a part of the gospel. Creation is a part of the gospel. So much so that the Apostle Paul in Romans 1 said that even someone who never heard the name of Jesus would still be held accountable for the good news because the heavens are declaring the glory of God and, and Countless places in scripture, it celebrates that aspect of it. But I want to touch on one other area um, of creation as well, and that's the creation of humankind, right? Because we saw in Genesis that humankind is also a declaration of God's glory. And if you were listening carefully in that, we saw that it, that. That male and female are all part of the declaration of the glory of God. We are created in his image. In, In 127, he says, So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so the pinnacle of creation is also for the purpose of sharing the gospel. For sharing the good news of the glory of God. But another critical part, and one honestly that our culture isn't keen on talking about much, is this idea that it's not like it was, right? It's not like it was in Genesis 1 or 2. Quickly, very quickly, we came to Genesis 3. Uh, and we, so the second major point, creation, is a major point of the gospel. But the fall is also a part of the gospel. Now, does that make sense to you? Um, that, that where we normally would jump to the part of redemption, if you do not understand uh, your apartness from God, excuse me for making up words, um, then then redemption isn't going to be meaningful to you, is it? And, and and Scripture doesn't allow us any wiggle room, for all have sinned, right? Uh, Paul, Paul said in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you're walking that Romans road, then you know that Romans 6.23 says in the wages of that sin that the natural outcome of that fall is death. Wednesday night men's group is looking at that from the perspective of the book of James. Yeah, there's two paths before us. One is life and one is death. And, and God is inviting us to life. But we're not going to know the beauty of life if we've not wrestled with the brokenness of sin. And, and so the fall is a critical part of it. And, and honestly, it faces us every day when we're walking down the street, when we're driving down the road. We see the consequences of the fall. We see it in creation and, and, and the abuse of God's creation. We see it definitely in, in the brokenness of humanity and how people are suffering and hurting at one another's hands as a result of the, the brokenness of their, their sinful nature. Well, praise God. The gospel does include what we talked about earlier, it does include redemption. If you're still walking down the Romans road with me, you know that Romans five eight says, But God, in the midst of the wages of sin is death, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Not when we cleaned ourselves up, not when we got our act together, not when we put our our, our uh, work faces on, um but while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. And so the, the, the major points of, of 1 Corinthians 15 are true. I didn't mean to minimize them in any sense. Christ died, but it was death with meaning. He took our place on the cross so that we might take His place in, in the fellowship of the, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The the God, who has always existed in community, opened up the Trinity so that you and I can immerse ourselves in that Trinity through the righteousness of Jesus Christ and we can experience that genuine community. That is great news. Christ came to die for us and God validated His death for us by miraculously raising Him from the dead to break the power of sin and death. And, and, and we live in this time in between where, where where Christ is coming again, but He's not yet here. So so creation and fall and redemption are critical parts of of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's one more, right? There's one more. And not only did Christ redeem us, but He wants to participate. He wants us to participate with Him in restoring. The kingdom. So if you're taking notes, a fourth... Part of the gospel is restoration. And though much of the Bible is is focused on pointing out to us, making us aware of our brokenness, a huge portion of it is also focused on our partnership with God and how we can partner with Him in bringing out the restoration of His kingdom. Now, I'm not naive. I don't, I don't think and believe that somehow we're going we're gonna to gussy this world up somehow. And, and, and I, I, I shouldn't talk like that because there are people that do believe that way. We, we're clear from school scripture, that ultimately that will not happen until Jesus comes again. But that does not mean that we don't have a responsibility for that. That's why I'm not counseling you at all. Just bail out. If, if you're not seeing the elections go your way, just bail out and, and go climb in a cave somewhere. No, stay engaged. Be a part of the redemption of the earth um, but recognize that it won't ultimately, the restoration, excuse me, of the earth, but recognize that it won't ultimately happen until Christ comes again. So we, who uh, have been blessed and chosen by God to know him, are the living testaments of the coming restoration, right, of, of institutions, of the state, of the church, of the family. Of individuals, we are the first fruits with Christ. So Christ is asking us, what are you going to do with the gospel? What are you going to do with the gospel? A couple more thoughts about the gospel. The gospel explains everything. I'm going to tell you where I'm going to go in a minute so you can see the connection. I'm going to say next, the gospel changes everything. What I love about the gospel is it it describes accurately what already is. The gospel in creation tells us what God wants for us to do. Excuse me, what God wants to do. The gospel in the fall tells us what happened to us and what went wrong. Uh, People look and say, I know this is not right. I don't understand how it got this way. The gospel tells us clearly we fell short of the glory and the goodness of God. The gospel tells us what God has done. There's that emphasis again. Not what he's doing, but what he's already done in Jesus Christ to make things right. To make things right. That's the redemption. God has already done it. The gospel is not spelled D-O. You heard me say this many times. It's spelled D-O-N-E. It's already done. Jesus has won the battle. The end is near. The, the uh, full restoration is in sight. It's going to happen. That's the last point is how his story or history will turn out in the end. We know how this is going to turn out. God is going to restore creation. God is going to restore the nations. God is going to restore people to himself. In the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus says, And he who was sitting on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things New. And the reason that we spend so much energy in sharing the gospel, the reason we spend so much energy in living the gospel is because we are harbingers of a truth that is coming, that God will make all things new. So the gospel tells us and explains to us many things, but the gospel also explains to us where we are, the harsh reality The harsh reality, if you're feeling this today, I know you are, the harsh reality that we live right now between the fall and the restoration, right? We live in this season of redemption when we're still feeling the full effects of the fall and we've not yet felt the full effects of the restoration. That's a tough place to be. Jesus didn't mince words about it. People don't understand it. And you and you bring gospel, people will not understand it. You bring light and love in a dark world, and the people will not necessarily receive it. Remember? Some will persecute you, and some will be strangely attracted to you. But we live in that tension between these two realities, the fall and the restoration. And that's a harsh place to be, but it's where we are. It's where we are right this moment. But the gospel in the midst of that explains what has already been done. So in, in in light of the harsh reality, it gives us a hopeful one. This will not always be the way that it is. God has something much better, much better in store. So the gospel explains everything, but the gospel also changes everything. What does it change? It changes our relationship with everything. It changes our relationship with creation. We're to be good stewards is not is there not going to be a new heaven and a new earth? Is there not? Yeah, absolutely. But God is, is charging us with stewardship of this creation. Everything. Remember in Genesis 3, when the fall happened, there was brokenness between the people and God, between Adam and Eve and God. There was brokenness between Adam and Eve. This woman you gave me, uh, Adam says, right? There was brokenness between Adam and Eve in creation. Creation was broken as a result of that. And and so um, the gospel, when we bring the good news of God's creation and the fall and the redemption and the restoration, our relationship with everything has changed with creation. But also, but also, and I didn't know any other word to say here, but I guess I'm thinking of Ephesians with principalities and powers with the rulers the authorities and the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms Ephesians 6 it changes our relationship with this world and it's a good change will you possibly suffer persecution for it absolutely but it'll be joyful persecution because you know that your life is not spent in vain. You know that your life is just not some castaway away from, from some random plan or no plan at all. You know that God is in the business of redeeming everything. It changes our relationship with everything, but it also changes our relationship with everyone. It changes our relationship. Am I that predictable, Marianne? Marianne's preaching my, my words before I get there, and you could hear it coming, huh? Uh, it changes our relationship with everyone, with the world, right? And, and this is ultimately about the whole world, not just Evansville, not just the United States. It changes our relationship with the world. It changes our relationship with the city. Now we see this city, which two years ago was declared one of the worst places in, Evans, in the in the country to be. It changes that we can bring light and hope into that city. And I, I don't have time today, but I would just tell you that wonderful things are happening in our city. Things that have never happened before. I pray with. 50 pastors from other churches. On a, on a, we meet on a weekly basis. I'm usually there two or three times a week. We get to pray together. All the domains of the city, the government, the education, all the, the different places where God moves powerfully, they're all starting to come together. We have this amazing opportunity. Our relationship with the city of Evansville can be changed and transformed by the gospel. It changes As many of you will discover tomorrow night with our neighbors, as they come to your door tomorrow night, the gospel changes that. It changes our relationship with our families as you've made that recommitment to sit at table with your family, to open your heart to the people, your primary discipleship family. As you make that commitment to spend time with each other, it changes us and I never want to lose it. I know that we tend to be a self centered culture, but the gospel is good news for us too. It changes our relationship. With ourselves, when we look at ourselves through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it changes. We see now not what we are or what worse, what we have been, but we see what we can be in Jesus Christ. We begin to see ourselves as the beloved children of God. So what does this mean? What does this mean for us two days before a major election? Um, uh, a tumultuous time in our country, not just because of the election, but because of many things. What does this mean for us today? Let me just have a couple of anchors real quick. Real quick. First of all, hope matters. Hope matters. Did you hear that in in Paul's scripture? We know that all of creation is groaning, right? Uh, but But we know also that that we are awaiting eagerly our adoption as children. We're awaiting eagerly the redemption of these broken bodies. I'm sorry. I spend time with people who don't understand. The the bodies give out, amen? They give out. I'm only 58, and the bodies give out. Um, but, But what if you didn't have a frame of reference for that? What if... What if this body was the only hope? Do you feel that despair? Yeah, the gospel speaks into that. The gospel speaks into it. The gospel gives hope. This is not all there is. This is not all there is. We were moving Gil memory yesterday. And, 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 and so he's having to let go of the house that he spent so many years with his, his beloved wife in. You know, and just, um, if that was all there was, this would be the saddest story. But the reality of the gospel is it's not all there is right. He's going to see Charlotte again. He's going to stand with his wife in the glory of God and they're going to worship him together. It's not all we've got to have that hope. We learn elsewhere that hope actually purifies us. Whoever has this hope, John says, purifies themselves. But but. Right here, I I, I want to just emphasize to you again that hope matters. So the question is, um, where do you put your hope? You see, lots of people have hope, but they have the hope in the wrong object. Does that make sense? You can hope that the elections are somehow going to solve all our problems. Good luck with that. Right? Um, That was probably rude of me to say that. It was really rude of me to make a cow sound in the microphone. But... (laughs) I want you to engage. I want you to have hope that we can create a lighthouse nation. But our hope can't be in the nation. Our hope can't be in the candidates. Our hope has to be in something, someone, someone greater. So let me just ask you, I don't want to say, where are you putting your hope? But really, it's not the right question. The question is, in whom are you putting your hope right now? In whom? And some of you are putting them in great places. It might be other people, a spouse or something like that. But, but, but we won't last. We won't last. There's only one who's already gone before, who's overcome the power of disease and sin and death. And only he is worthy of our trust. And he invites you to put your trust in him today. Today. Hope. Matter. Secondly, remember that God has not abandoned you. We are not alone. That sounds like the beginning of a horror movie, doesn't it? Um, but, but the Holy Spirit is real and the Holy Spirit is actively moving in our midst. Did you hear that in our passage today? The Holy Spirit, Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. God, we can't do this. And God says, I know. That's why I gave you my Holy Spirit. We don't even know God how to pray. Maybe don't even know how to pray. And he says, that's okay. I got this. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you with groans too deep for words. You don't have to have the words. You just need to cast yourself on the presence of God in your midst. You need to cast yourself on the Holy Spirit. Hope matters. We're not alone. God has given us His Holy Spirit for us here, for us now. Remember also that God is at work. He is at work. We know that God's timing is very different than ours. I mean, honestly, the people uh, that wrote the Scriptures were expecting that Jesus would come in their lifetime. We we live 2,000 years later. God's timing is not our timing. Amen? But God is always... On time, isn't he? He's never late. God is working right now on our behalf. He's working right now. What is he working toward? Two things. You've heard me say this many times. I want you to anchor yourselves in these two things. God is working for his glory, right? For his glory. I turned too many pages, but he talked about that at the very beginning of our passage today. He's working for his glory. And it's only as the children of God are glorified that that world will experience that full glory. But he's also working for our glory as well. He, we didn't read the passage, but God has begun a pattern in your life, beginning with his choosing you. That leads to his call. That leads to to uh, preparing every aspect of your life for his glory that leads to being pronounced completely sinless in his sight, justification, that leads to glorification. He's at work for glory in him, his own glory, and for your glorification And then as the verse that so many of us have clung to in so many critical times, God is also working out for our good, for our good. And I think I'm wondering if that's not the hardest thing for us sometimes to believe in this situation, this circumstance. I find myself, this is for my good, God. Yes. Not done yet. Not done yet. But you are precious in his sight. We are precious in his sight. We are precious. It's going to start to sound like a children's song here in a minute. Is it red and yellow, black and white, right? We are are all precious in his sight. And God is at work. God is at work to bring it about. I just want to invite you. Do not despair. Do not give up hope. God is on the move. How did C.S. Lewis put it? Aslan is on the move. God is moving and he's bringing about the glory and goodness through us. Pray with me, would you? Jesus, thank you for these moments um, at such tumultuous times in our, um, in our world. God, when people are longing uh, for law, when people are longing for, for some sense of belonging and communion and God, I see so many people searching for that in the wrong places, in temporary places that are broken and can never provide that. God, I know there's only one place where souls will be at rest. And that is in you, in Jesus Christ. So I'm grateful, uh, God, for the good news of the gospel, that you are restoring what you made so beautiful. At creation, you are restoring your world, but you're doing that one person, one family, one church, one city at a time. And God, we offer ourselves to you. Use us. Would you? Use us. We do not want to be bystanders in so great an endeavor as the transformation of the world. And so we invite you, even today, we who are broken and sinful. God, forgive us our sins. There are many. Cleanse us of all our unrighteousness, God. Grant, even for a moment, God, that we might be able to believe that we can be made new again right now. Right now. God, help us to put our weight on Jesus. Cause I know God, we know that's the only one that can support it. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for leaving the security of what was so familiar from eternity past. The comfort of, of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and becoming like us born as one of us, growing up as one of us, suffering as one of us, even dying as one of us so that we might not have to die, so that we might experience life, so that we might experience that relationship with God right now. Holy Spirit, move over this place, would you? For those of us who have known you for such a long time, but have begun to subtly begin leaning on our own strength instead of the gospel, on what we could do rather than on what you've done. God, help us to release that and to fully trust in Jesus' name today. And God, if there are any in our midst who don't know you and want to know you, who feel the pain and the burden of of a world which is deteriorating right before our eyes, but have not had hope until this very day. God, grant us the courage to risk being changed, to risk responding to the gospel today. Grant us the courage to pray, Jesus, I am sorry that I have made myself the center of my life. I recognize today that you alone are Lord that you alone are Savior, Jesus, today. I surrender the lordship of my life to you. And I believe that God raised you from the dead to prove to me, to prove to the world that sin no longer has power over me. That only the love of God is going to control me in the future. Oh, we love you, Jesus, and thank you for your gracious gift to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, I uh, I came to the Lord. I, I, 73, whatever that is, was that? Do I want to know how long ago that was? 43 years ago, but it's as new to me today as as the the gospel changes everything. Jesus knew that we would struggle. He knew that we would forget. We do different things. I'm wearing a wedding band. I'm wearing a purity ring. We do different things to remind ourselves. This is Jesus' gift to remind us of the power of the gospel. This simple meal of bread, which represents the body of Christ. Everything he, he did to, to uh, redeem us, it represents that body of Christ. He invites us to sup and commune with him. He invites us to remember his blood, which was shed on the cross for us. Oh, God, take this simple bread, take the simple juice and make them the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Infuse them with your presence, God, so that as we partake of them by faith today, we might find strength for the time, our time of need, that we might find grace for our time of need. And Jesus, I know that that will be sufficient. So we offer these elements to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And I just think, uh, how despairing that must have uh, seemed then. But instead, he called together people he loved and sat at table with them and broke bread and said, This is my body given for you. I'm giving myself for you. And if you take this and you eat this bread, then you're saying, I receive that gift, Jesus. I receive it. After supper, he took the cup. And when he'd given thanks, he he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. There was a covenant before. Um, Covenant is a mutual relationship. If anyone breaks it, someone pays. Jesus says, I'll take that payment upon myself and make with you a new covenant where I will write my law on your hearts. I will live in you. Do this, he said, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And Paul, who we've been studying today, Paul, who had to to learn the hard way, the truths which he taught, says as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I invite you to come to the Lord's table today. It is his table doesn't matter where you come from, what names are on the sign of the fellowship that you might meet with. The only thing that matters is that you trust Jesus, that you recognize your need for Him, and that you put your faith in Him as your Lord and Savior. If you're not at that point, we respect you no end. We're grateful that you're here. But, but we invite you to just let that, that, um, that plate go by. It's not going to come to you, actually. You just just um, come up to us and just cross your arms. We will... We will um, recognize that and just pray for you and give you a blessing. Um, but but um, for all those who have put their trust in Jesus, their baptized children, we invite you, come remember him with us today. And then when you go home and, and share a meal with your family, remember him again. If you're making hot dogs for your neighbors on Halloween night. Remember him again. Do this. In remembrance of him. Will our servers please come forward.